Partially Plastic is not licensed to provide medical advice, nor has anyone examined you for your individual conditions. Please seek the advice of a medical professional of your choice for your treatment. The opinions expressed on this program are personal to the person expressing them and not necessarily the opinions of the host or any sponsor and are merely anecdotal stories of our individual experiences and not meant to be statements of fact. Hi, welcome to Partially Plastic. We have a special episode today, The Vulva Lounge, with the cosmetic GYN, Dr. Michael Reed. Hello, everyone. Uh, nice to be here. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm excited to get in this lounge and just relax and chill. And let's hope you guys just learn a whole bunch. And we have a great time, right, Kelly? We are going to have a great time. Tell us about the service that you, that you offer. Well, uh, as a cosmetic gynecologist, so as a cosmetic gynecologist, we have several different things that we can do. Uh, but to like summarize in a statement, I would say that uh, we are there to in, uh, improve pleasure by modifying your vulva to improve function or to your cosmetic desires. So there's a number of things that we can do to the vulva. The more common things that you think about are labiaplasty, reducing the labia minora. You can also flatten and uh, flatten and or bulk up the labia majora, the outer labia of the lips. You can just modify the opening of the uh, vagina such that uh, it is more aesthetically pleasing to you. It may give you a little bit more grippability during intercourse. Um, we also can do full length tightening of the vagina called vaginoplasty. So really there's two different ways to really think about all the services that we have. We, we can modify the external structures of the vulva and we can modify the internal structures of the vulva. And your wish, go ahead. Yeah. Who's a good candidate for your surgeries? Well, a good candidate for a surgery, number one for, it depends on what procedure they're talking about. If we're talking about vaginoplasty, what we're actually trying to do uh, with vaginoplasty is that there's three parts to it. One is we reduce a rectocele that may be present, which is just a hernia of the intestines into the vagina. And the patient will interpret that as bulging and a lot of pink and just openness uh, when they look at the uh, vulva. Uh, so we want to correct that hernia. And then the second thing we do is we want to tighten the full length of the vagina by doing what we call a levator plasty or bringing the muscles back to the midline so that you can have full length friction uh, during intercourse. And then the last part of it is just kind of modifying the external vulvar structure so that it looks almost uh, virginal. Uh, you have your grippability back and uh, you're aesthetically pleased with it. So if we're doing all those things, you got to one, definitely make sure you're done having children. Um, another thing that you want to do is make sure that uh, if you're breastfeeding, that you're done breastfeeding, uh, because that will change the uh, biome of the vagina because the majority of estrogen that your body uses while you're pregnant and breastfeeding goes to breastfeeding and you actually lose some of the benefits of estrogen that goes to the vagina. So uh, you don't want to do this while you're breastfeeding because you need estrogen uh, there to help with healing. So you want to make sure your estrogen stores are replete. So when is the other, uh, other person that 
should also be mindful of uh, before getting a vaginoplasty is the patient that is postmenopausal. Uh, they need to make sure they have adequate estrogen stores. Meaning we could give vaginal estradiol if we need to, because if we operate on a woman who is postmenopausal with a poorly uh, replete amount of estrogen in the vagina, it'll scar, it'll be uh, a worse, uh, worsening condition. It'll be too tight, it'll become non-functional. So those are the patients that uh, we generally don't wanna do the operation on. There's one other important group, uh, two other important things that you need to consider uh, is a diagnosis of body dysmorphic disorder, BDD. Uh, with BDD, surgery will not correct their situation whatsoever. You'll just make the situation worse. So the physician needs to be able to screen for this and the physician should screen for this. Uh, because doing the procedure on a patient with BDD, you're just going to make it worse for the patient, worse. Uh, similarly, would be a patient who has female sexual dysfunction. So dis dysfunctions are not cured with surgery. What are the dysfunctional? Arousal disorder, orgasm disorders, lubrication disorders, um, arousal desired disorders, libido, those things won't improve with surgery if it's truly a dysfunction. So those are the patients that you really want to think about. If you have those diagnoses, you want to bring it up to your physician of choice. And uh, those are the things you need to think about before doing these type of procedures. What are you looking at when you're trying to diagnose body dysmorphic disorder? So, in my office, what I do is I use uh, the FSFI. It's Female Sexual Function Index. Every patient that comes in receives this uh, self-reported uh, device. It's a device. It's a device because it's been well studied. Um, there's evidence-based medicine that says, yes, it's a reliable instrument that can be used to evaluate sexual dysfunction. And so it's a short little form. Every patient of mine fills that out. And it also helps guide me as to make sure that what she is requesting is going to help her achieve the goals that she would like to achieve. That's excellent. Uh, what factors should somebody consider when they're looking for a cosmetic surgeon for GYN purposes? The cosmetic, that, that, that is a great question. So uh, the first thing I would tell you is that you want someone who is trained, at minimum trained. Uh, the issue is, well, I think we should back up and maybe just tell you, how do you become a cosmetic gynecologist? Because that truly is the physician you would like to have any of these procedures done. So a cosmetic gynecologist is a highly motivated obstetrician gynecologist, meaning they're board certified. They did four years of residency. They're listening to their patients and their patients are wanting something that they have not been trained to do. So, but there are a few spearheads. There's some few forefathers, uh, founding fathers when it comes to cosmetic gynecology who trains these physicians and these, some of these trainers, I would think, would be like Pelosi, uh, Red Allenside, uh, Dr. Matlock, and Dr. Goodman. And Dr. Goodman is someone who I did an 18-month fellowship with. So let me back up. So now they go out and they do this weekend training with a physician who 
gives them the pitfalls, the A's and B's about the procedures that they're interested in. And then there usually is a communication or a line of communication between the trainee and the new physician. So it's kind of a mentor mentee kind of thing. And you can call up usually your trainer and say, I have this picture. This is a picture I'm going to send to you. Help me. What do you think? Help me design this. And oftentimes they will help you. And so that's traditionally how the training is done. So they're highly motivated um, and uh, they're wanting to help their patients and they're listening to their patients. So you want to cause because they've been trained at least some, at least on a weekend. But the actual uh, nuts and bolts, in my opinion, is kind of what I've done. What I think is the most appropriate training is that I've done 18 months where I sat behind Dr. Michael Goodman, one of the founding fathers of cosmetic gynecology. And we went over numerous topics, sexual dysfunction, BDD. We talked about uh, preoperative evaluation, postoperative care. I've sat behind surgeries and watched him. He sat behind me and proctored me. And so this is the type of training and this is the type of physician that you would want to do your procedures when it comes to female cosmetic surgery. Is there a specific license that you can look for for that? Or is that just something that you're asking questions? Yeah. So on my, I, I did a reel not too far ago, a couple of days ago. So that would be around the 17th of June on how to pick a cosmetic surgeon. And there's a point system and it goes right. So you could download that. You could grab that. But to answer your question, as you go through your potential surgeon's website, there should be evidence of some kind of training from the physicians that I mentioned before. Pelosi, Dr. Matlock, Alan Saad, Goodman, and there's a few others that are out there, Halparn, and they should be able to provide this evidence of training. So at least you know that they are motivated and they want to do their best and they sought out further education. But again, I think the best way to do things is to develop standards of training very similar to what I undertook and have everyone have that, but we'll get there one day. And what motivated you to undertake this training? Um, there's a number of things that motivated me to want to become a cosmetic gynecologist. I love obstetrics and gynecology. I delivered well over 5,000 babies. I've done hysterectomies, Da Vinci robot, department chairman of the of uh, Emanuel Medical Center in, OB, in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, I also was going through a lifestyle change at that time as well as I lost over 100 pounds. I had flab and gel all over the place and I wanted my own procedure. And so I sought out a physician and my physician helped me transform and asked me to take a look. Uh, uh, well, actually, I said, well, this has got to feel good as a physician. Is there this possibility of an OBGYN doing something like this. And he said, go check out Dr. David Matlock. And when I saw him, my eyes were wide open. I saw a way that I could continue to care for women on another spectrum in their life because I was on the other end. And as I age, I think I better understand these things and I'm better un to understand the concerns of the younger women because I care for them. I know where they're coming from. And I think I understand it. So I thought this is this is magic right here. And so uh, I went and took that weekend course with Dr. Goodman. And then I wanted to learn a little bit more about uh, sexual health. So I went to Ishwish, 
which is the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health. And I went there. Dr. Goodman was there again. We talked some more. And I was telling what I wanted to do and how do I get there? What's the best way to get there? And then subsequently, a few weeks later, he said, hey, I've never done this. I'm going to be retiring soon. You want to come out and we can kind of do a fellowship that I think will really set you in the position to be one of the next generation's leaders when it comes to female cosmetic surgery. And I said, well, yes, I'm going to take that opportunity. And I moved my wife. My wife and I moved our three children. She just had a baby at three months. And we were in Davis, California, March of 2020 during COVID. And uh, we undertook this and uh, I have grabbed it by its reins and I have mastered so many different things. And I am so pleased that I took this uh, challenge to pivot and to become what I believe to be the cosmetic GYN. Would you ever consider training another physician in a fellowship? Absolutely. Absolutely, I would. I think there's a time and place for that. And I think the at this point, I'm not at the point where I can give them 100%, well, actually 110% to, to, to be all that they need to be. But I want to be a part of standardized training and developing that. I think at some point there may be an institution of cosmetic gynecology by the cosmetic GYN sometime long down in the future and what is the cosmetic gynecology board is there a board specifically for that there isn't a board specifically for that there isn't any real training so we're jumping way down i don't know if our audience well i don't know i want to potentially want OBGYNs who have gone through four years of training to do a fellowship if they choose just like they do for gyn oncology they do it for reproductive endocrinology. Why couldn't we do it for cosmetic gynecology? So that's the dream. And if you don't dream it, you can't achieve it. So we'll get there. I think you're the right person to make that a reality for people. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And what do you think your patients should do to mentally and physically prepare before surgery? That's a great question. To mentally and physically prepare for surgery. Well, the number one thing I think you need to do is understand that this is a process. It's not an overnight thing. The things that are bothering you didn't happen overnight. And so you have to understand it's a process. So trust your physician, finding the appropriate physician, using different strategies like our how to pick a surgeon, using those different things in your armamentarium would help. I think having a healthy habits, uh, not smoking, uh, that would definitely help. Smoking will is detrimental to your health, especially your surgical outcome. Um, having healthy habits will help. I mean, it's we, it, we know the things we can do to have a good outcome. Um, I think from a physician standpoint, I need to be available. You need to have direct access to me. You need to be able to call, text. And so I think those things are things that you want to talk about with your physician as well. And I think those are things if you know are there will mentally help you to prepare for the upcoming surgery. What is the recovery time like for this? For It depends on what procedure you're talking about. So if we're talking about external structures, 
uh, you were generally talking about five uh, to six weeks. Um, if we're talking about internal structures like perineoplasty or vaginoplasty, it's going to be anywhere from six to eight weeks. I generally tell my patients to think two months. And if they get it at six, whoo, they're happy. But if they get it at eight, they're satisfied. So I just tell them two months, think two months. And during this two months, your patients should abstain from sex. Yes. So this is, this is, this is the standard as far as sex after any of these procedures. I tell all my patients the first week after this procedure, you and your partner act like you don't know each other. The second week, anything above the waist is fair game, so be creative. At the third week, self-pleasuring is fine. Uh, your husband or your partner can go down on you if you're okay with that. But you must keep a penis, finger, or toy from the inside of the vagina. It's at six to eight weeks, or when I say you're okay to have intercourse, that's when you're going to be able to have penetrative sex. And do you say that after an examination, or is that just a time limit, or does it depend on the procedure? In general, that's that's usually with vaginal classy. What I describe is generally the rule of thumb when it comes to uh, sex and vaginal classy. And you're on Instagram. Can you tell everybody your um, Instagram handle? It's at the cosmetic gym. Uh, that's my website www.thecosmeticgyn. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel. If you're interested in seeing any of these procedures, um, I, they're short ones, long ones, and that one uh, is Dr. Michael Reed. Just Google, not Google, go to YouTube, search Dr. Michael Reed, and you'll see the logo, The Cosmetic GYN. And I'll link all those also in the comments so that people don't have to try to remember that. Um, I watched some of the procedures on there and it's incredible to be able to see it from start to finish. I didn't even uh, know that these procedures were um, possible until you and I started speaking. So it's pretty cool that you're able to offer those and show people. Yeah. It's all about knowledge and choice or awareness, options and solutions, right? If we don't know, we can't make a choice. And if we don't know or not aware of anything, we don't have any options. So it's all about knowledge and choice. And this is, so wonderful what you're doing, Kelly, because you're using your platform to, to change the world. You're part of this change that we're trying to push, and you you got what it takes. And to be a part of this and this movement and being on your on your platform is just all I can say is thank you, and we appreciate you. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming here and uh, sharing all this great information and knowledge with everybody. I appreciate everybody for joining the Labia Lounge today. Um, I'm sure that we'll be back with Dr. Reed again because there's so much more to cover in all of this. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I would look forward to talking uh, more, and I hope you uh, gravitate more and more to uh, uh, Kelly. And uh, I look forward to being back. And if you would like me to uh, be a part of your care or you want to recruit me as your warrior of healthcare, just reach out and I'll be there for you. And, and you're again, looking, Kelly, thanks and for helping me. Davis, California, correct? Yes, Davis, California. We have people come in from all around the United States. Uh, we've had people even use passports to come to us. We are savvy. We know how to care for you. This is the only thing we do 
at our office is female cosmetic surgery. So you're in good hands. And just like the name implies, the cosmetic GYN is where we're at. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And I look forward to doing this again. Thanks.